May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. I guess I have a habit of showing up here when there's a bunch of scouts in the room. I guess today's Scout Sunday, right? We're, so my son, I have a tenderfoot in the back back there, a new tenderfoot. We are members of a, a troop in Columbia at St. Joseph's Catholic Church, and he never gets to go to things like that because his dad serves in another church. So at least he gets to participate vicariously. Last time I was here, I think you were awarded an Eagle Scout, right? So that was wonderful to be a part of that. It was also wonderful because there was a Baptist preacher that day. <laughs> Your dad, right? Okay, I'm not Baptist, so let's temper our expectations. <laughs> no, my, if I haven't met you yet, I'm Alan Bentrop. I serve on Bishop Waldo's staff. My title's Canon for Evangelism and Mission. So the thing I do is I go around to congregations, I preach, and I teach forums like I'm going to do today. And, and right, The word evangelism is in my title, and so you read this gospel, right? Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Don't hide it under a lamp. Oh no, I'm going to let it shine. Right? There's songs about that. So as I, I tried to work on this sermon, I tried, this sermon is evangelism. But it, it just never stuck with me. For some reason, that's not the, what was coming to mind for me. And, and I struggled with that. and I was frustrated right, because I have to preach a sermon and so I have to actually know what I'm going to preach, and, and the words weren't coming. But then Thursday happened. Right, and this town has had a pretty tough couple of days, hasn't it? I got a call from Rob Brown, the rector of St. Matthew's, Thursday afternoon as I'm picking up my kids early from school, because in Columbia the weather was supposed to be bad as well, and, and Rob told me that the tornado touched down near their property and did some damage to their property and, and the buildings near that and apparently it was like a 10 mile stretch or something. And so as I thought about that, something else came to mind for this passage. Because y'all probably know, some of y'all know what it's like these last couple of days to live without light. Who lost power this week? Yeah. So you know what it means when the light goes out. You know what it means when you can't see in the dark. Right? Because in my experience, the power never goes out during the daytime when it's easy you just open a window. Right? The power always goes out at nighttime. And so as I thought about, about what y'all have been through, I thought about this passage what it means when Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Right? He's not talking about you individually, Lex, you individually, Chris, y'all, any of y'all individually. Are, this isn't what Jesus is saying here. This isn't a thing where Jesus is saying, you individual, you go out and do good works so that people will see you as the light. Jesus is speaking collectively, he's speaking to a crowd. This, this gospel passage comes in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount, right? So there's a bunch of people, Jesus is out there speaking. And he says, you all, all of you gathered, 
Right? We're in South Carolina, so Jesus might as well have said, y'all are the light of the world. Right? Because it's not about one person. It's not about what we individually do, although that does play a part in it. But it's about the collective. And it's about how each and every one of us together, when we play our role, when we work as the body of Christ, when we work together as the church, that we become and are the light of the world. So on the way up here driving, I'm, my wife's out of town, so I've got two orphan children in the back, which they're not there anymore, which makes me a little concerned. <laughs> I think they went to Children's Chapel, hopefully. So we were driving up here, and we listened to audiobooks, right? And we listened to this I Survived series. Maybe you've read those books. It's I Survived Hiroshima, I Survived the Hindenburg. It takes moments in history, kind of catastrophic moments in history, and tells it from a child's perspective. Right? And so the one we listened to on the way up here, it's the one the library had to check out on an audiobook, was I Survived Katrina. Right? Katrina happened before my boys' lifetimes, but, but they were born in Houston, Texas, right? We're from Texas, and, and they've heard the stories of how, you know, 100,000 people evacuated to Houston. They've heard those stories, and so we listened to this. And, and as we listened to it, we got about halfway through, and my younger son said, Dad, we have to stop. I can't listen to any more of this. Because two and a half years ago, my family lived through Hurricane Harvey. And every time we hear a phone go off with an emergency alert, every time that they hear there's a tornado warning, every time we wait for hurricane season, we remember what it was like. It's actually the second hurricane my wife and I have lived through. The first, we evacuated to Dallas and to my in-laws, and, and we were fine. We were gone for like 12 days before we could get back because there was no power to my house, but, but we were fine. The second one, Harvey, we stayed home. My wife was head of school for an Episcopal school. I was a priest and an associate rector in Houston, and right, we're in helping professions. We thought we needed to stay there, and, and we were also in a neighborhood that had never flooded, right? Like Houston has had three thousand year or more floods in the last five years, which I'm not a math major, but those numbers don't really add up, right? So it should be like, instead of a thousand year flood, like a 13 month flood, right? Uh, our neighborhood had never flooded any of these since it was built. It was built a couple miles from one of the big reservoirs, which is a golf course that's designed to flood, and that had always contained the water. But then 50 inches of rain fell on our city enough rain that it shrunk the crust of the earth in Houston a half inch, right? All that weight pressed down on it. And still, our neighborhood was fine. Our house was fine. We stayed there the first couple of days. We made it through the storm. We were fine. But then we had to leave. Not because we lost light, but because we lost Netflix. Our power stayed on, but the internet went out. And when elementary school kids don't have Netflix and they're stuck in the house and it's flooding outside, you've got to call the Cajun Navy. And so we did. It's also a little bit more serious. Water kept rising because the reservoir overflowed. And, and 
And so we were utterly useless. We couldn't do anything. We couldn't communicate with the outside world. Cell phones weren't really working. But we flagged down a boat. The boat pulled into our driveway. Our boys, my wife and I, waded through the water, got in the boat, and left. And I can joke about this story now. It's funny looking back on it, right? The way it happened. But, but in that moment, it wasn't funny at all. In this moment, these last couple of days are heartbreaking for y'all in Spartanburg, for us around the state. It's almost as if the light has gone out. It's almost as if someone put a bushel basket over everything. So who's heard the Motel 6 commercial? With Tom, I'm Tom Baudet, this is Motel 6, we'll leave the light on for you. We've heard that, right? The commercial's been around for 25 years. There's very few phrases in advertising that stick around that long. But that is consistently rated among the most memorable lines in advertising and marketing. We'll leave the light on for you. And I think it speaks to a deeper truth that, that when you're a traveler and you're exhausted and you've been driving, maybe you're lost. You just need a rest. You just need a place to stop. What is it we look for? We look for the light. So maybe the Sheraton and the Marriott and all of them, they let their light get hidden under a bushel basket, but not Motel 6. They leave the light on for you. And I think that's what we as the church are supposed to do. It's what we're supposed to do for each other when we're on our own moments of crisis. It's what we're supposed to do for the world. And so you hear stories of, of people responding in heroic ways in the midst of storms when there's flooding. People wade out into the water to rescue people. When trees are down and the wind is still blowing, people go outside with chainsaws and help clear debris. But all of these are things that take more than one of us. Because like I said at the beginning, when Jesus says you're the light of the world, he's not talking to any one individual. Because these things are bigger than any one of us. So our story of how we got you know, rescued from, from the lack of Netflix is that these two fishermen from Virginia drove through the night, towing a boat behind them. They went to a Kroger parking lot that the Kroger had emptied out its shelves and, and given food and water to put on these boats to go find people that needed help. And there was a Navy recruiter who wasn't recruiting anyone for the Navy, and she was a medic this day, and she hopped on a boat in case there were people that needed medical rescue. 
And so those three things combined took this boat into our neighborhood and we hopped on and then we get out of our neighborhood and, and there's a line as long as you can see, 30, 40, 50 cars lined up of people just ready to get people that have come off these boats and drive them somewhere, anywhere. And so the person that comes to, to line when it's time for us to, to get off the boat is this gentleman named Jose who doesn't speak much English and I don't speak much Spanish and so we, we barely communicate and I get him to drop us off at this other intersection that it's the, basically the only place that I can get to understand, right? I don't speak enough Spanish to give directions and he didn't speak enough English to understand, but I got him to drop us off there. And, and then we were able to call and, and get friends. And so just in that series, there's two guys from Virginia, a Navy recruiter, a grocery store chain, and a guy with a truck. There's five people that helped bring the light to my family. And those stories are the same for all of us. Whether it's something like a tornado or a hurricane or whether it's just that we've had a really bad season or we've had a really bad day. There's times in our lives that it feels like the light's gone out. There's times in our lives where all we feel and sense around us is darkness. But that's the key to this gospel. When Jesus says, y'all are the light of the world, he understands that sometimes one person's light may grow a little dimmer. But when it's lost in a sea of other people who are also letting their light shine, the light still comes out. And so we as the church are there for each other. So that when my light has gone out, your light shines for me. Or when your light feels like it's going out, then someone else's light can shine for you. Now, I'm not a singer, thankfully, but I've been told that, that choirs can hold a note for a really long time, right? Not because one individual person, if I'm wrong, correct me, because I've used this illustration before. And if a preacher says it, it's true. <laughs> but a choir can sing a note for a really long time because people drop out and catch their breath. But the choir holds the note, right? Yeah, see, I was right. I got a thumbs up from the choir back there, so I'm good. But that, that's what it is to be the body of Christ is we do what we can when we can but when we take a breath people around us continue doing what they can when they can and so together as the church as the body of Christ our light shines no matter how dark any one of us feel individually And that's how we as the church shine our light into the world, right? Our world wants to snuff out our lights, right? Our world teaches us that, 
that I need to protect my light, I need to cover up my light, I need to hold close to my light because someone out there is going to take it. I need to protect what I have from them, whoever them is. Folks from other faith traditions, people who vote different than us, Gamecocks, whoever it is, the world teaches that we have to protect our light. But Jesus doesn't allow us to do that. Because just, just think about the science of this, right? If the world wants us to cover our light, what this gospel says is, is no one takes a lamp, puts it on a lampstand, and covers it with a bushel basket. Right? A bushel basket is made of fibers. What happens if, if you put fibers over a light? Right? It's going to burn your house down. Right? And so it's not even possible for us to protect our light and keep it individually for ourselves. We can try, but we may burn our house down in the process. And so when Jesus says, y'all are the light of the world, he's not talking about any one thing that any one of us try to do. Brother, it's a command, it's an imperative that all of us together are the light of the world. All of us together just can't help but shine our light into the world. Our light of hope, our light of peace, our light of reconciliation, our light of Christ. We can't hoard it. We can't claim it as our own because there's gonna be days that our lights individually feel like they're growing dim. And that's where someone else comes and and helps us out. And there's times in our collective lives when, when our lights feel a little dim. But we know that there's other people out there praying for us, praying with us. And their light shines with ours. So that's the challenge for us. That's the opportunity for us to recognize those times in our lives when, when things feel dim and dark, but trust that there's someone else out there shining the light for us. But also to know that and to look for those opportunities when someone else has their light dimmed that we can be the light. It's as simple and as difficult as that. One command from Jesus, y'all are the light of the world. Amen.